Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. What you'll find here are some recent musings about the God of the Bible and living in such a way as to bring Him pleasure. Happy musing. So this is a message I gave in our Santa Cruz church in the early 2000s. It's part of a series on being better disciples of Jesus and making better disciples for Jesus. And the entire series is based on the characters of Elijah and his disciple, Elisha. And in this particular teaching, I contrasted Elijah with his nemesis, the Jewish king Ahab, and also contrasted him with a contemporary prophet of his named Obadiah. And so my point is to highlight one particular important quality of good disciples of Jesus, and that's the quality of courage. And so I hope you're inspired by it. Happy listening. But we're talking about uh, disciples, discipleship, and we're using probably the best Old Testament prophet as an example. When I say the best, he's the best example of some of the things that we're talking about. That would be Elijah. And if it seems unrealistic, his life seems out of, you know, like out of reach. Remember, James says he's a man just like us. James chapter 5, verse 17. So we're talking about disciples courageous this morning, and uh, no better example of that courage than, uh, than our man Elijah. Can you think in the story of Elijah where Elijah was courageous? Help me out here. Where was Elijah? Just give me one little incident, one little instance in which Elijah, because he was, man, the guy was, was bold, de- definitely bold. You got an example? When he stood against the prophets of Baal and Asherah on Mount Carmel, absolutely called fire down out of heaven. Somebody else? When else was he courageous? When he stood up to Jezebel, absolutely, because Jezebel was the intimidator to Ahab, who was trying to be the intimidator to Elijah, but Elijah uh, didn't buy it. Somebody else? When else was he courageous? Remember when he went up to Ahab, uh, when he comes on the scene, what did he say? Ain't going to rain. Just want you to know. Is that bold? To go to the king's office and say, I just want you to know there's going to be a drought and, not, and it's not going to stop until I say. That's bold. You think? You're the troubler. That's bold to tell the king, no, you're really blame shifting here. The problem is with you, dude. That's bold. He was a courageous guy. And uh, so what I want to do this morning is contrast uh, uh, Elijah with two of his contemporaries, uh, a, a compromising king and a cautious prophet with Obadiah and Ahab. Because uh, uh, Elijah was a man of courage in contrast to Ahab, the king of Israel, who was a compromiser, and then a guy named Obadiah that I call Obadiah the cautious. And we'll contrast the two, okay? So let's start with the most obvious, the most, the easiest to contrast, and that would be with Ahab. And let's read about Ahab the compromiser in uh, chapter 16 of Kings, verse 29. 1 Kings 16, 29. In the 38th year of Asa, king of Judah, Ahab, son of Omri, became, became king of Israel, and he reigned in Samaria over Israel 22 years. Ahab, son of Omri, did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of those before him. What a dubious distinction that was, huh? 
He not only considered it, listen to this, he not only considered it trivial to commit the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, he thought it was trivial to commit any sin before God, but especially the sin of Jeroboam, who we won't go into the whole story, but he divided the country by setting up idols in different parts so that they wouldn't go to Jerusalem, they would go to his idols in uh, other parts of the country. He divided the country and worshipped idols. He thought that was trivial to be like that. He not only thought it was trivial, but it says he also married Jezebel, daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and began to serve Baal and worship him and set up an altar of, uh, for Baal in the temple of Baal and that he built in Samaria. Ahab also made an Asherah pole, which is, I won't go into detail about it, but is a very gross and lascivious concept an Asherah pole, and did more to provoke, did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than did all the kings of Israel before him. So um, this is a compromiser. Here's a, a Jewish king who is in complete compromise of his uh, supposed standards, biblical standards before God. If you want to just flip over to chapter 21 to see uh, a, a one interesting verse. Uh, in chapter 21, verse 25, it says something similar here in verse 25. There was never a man like Ahab. Oh, never a man like Ahab. That must be good. No. Who sold himself to do evil in the eyes of the Lord, urged on by Jezebel, his wife. He behaved in the vilest manner by going after idols like the Amorites uh, the, the Lord drove out before Israel. In fact, if you just... Uh, if you just look at the first part of that chapter, chapter 21, what is your, does your Bible have a little title there over chapter 21? What does it say? Naboth's vineyard. Remember the story? This, guy, this Jew named Naboth had a vineyard. Ahab, the king, thought, you've got the coolest vineyard in town. I want it. Will you sell it to me? No, it's a family deal and we're not going to, no, I'm not selling. So you know what he did? He went home and he, it says he curled up on his bed and he sulked and he whined. The king did. This is Ahab, the king. And uh, so Jezebel, his very meek and mild uh, wife, uh, walked in and said, what are you sulking about again? And, and he goes, uh, you know, he won't give, me his, won't give me the vineyard, you know, won't sell it to me. So she said, uh, I'll take care of it. And she just went out and had him murdered and then gave it to him. And so then Ahab, you know, just takes possession of the vineyard like my wife took care of it for me. Uh, I mean, the guy is absolutely uh, spineless and absolutely lacking. He's a complete contrast to Elijah, who was a man of, of courage. He was a spiritual compromiser. Uh, you know, we talk about the courage of your convictions, having the courage of your convictions. He didn't have either one of those, courage or convictions. He didn't have the courage to stand up to Jezebel. He didn't have the courage to stand up to his temptations. He didn't have the courage to stand up to Elijah or his enemies or anybody else. And I was thinking about this in terms of courage. Does anybody here, you don't have to raise your hand about this because this would be just an incredible uh, uh, confession to make publicly, but does anybody here ever disobey God? Do, do you think that one of the reasons, one of the, the essence of our disobedience is lack of courage? I think sometimes we just lack courage to obey Him. It takes courage to be a Christian. It takes guts and backbone and spine to follow Jesus in a world that's going the other way. 
we're going upstream and it takes courage to go upstream. It doesn't take much to go downstream and just go with the flow. That's easy. Um, and of course Ahab was it, was, it was one of those that just went downstream. It takes courage to be a disciple. If you look over in chapter 17, just for that, the chapter 17, verse 1, for that reference to when Elijah went to Ahab, this is the first thing said about Elijah in the Bible. Verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 1, Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishba in Gilead said to Ahab, just walks into his office and says to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. So he, he lived his whole life in contrast to that skittishness of Ahab and lived a courageous uh, life of a disciple. So three and a half years later of drought, it's going to rain now. And Elijah, well, it's not just going to start raining. He's going to pray and rain will come back after three and a half years judgment against Israel for being so disobedient. And if you'll go over to chapter 18, I want to read a few. Now we're going to read a little bit of the Bible here. Are you good with that? Uh, together in chapter 18, verse 1. After a long time, and we know uh, it says in the third year, James tells us three and a half years. In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah, go and present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain on the land. So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab. Now the famine was severe in Samaria and Ahab had summoned Obadiah. This is our first introduction to Obadiah, who was in charge of his palace. Underline that, charge of his palace. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off all the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken a hundred prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. And Ahab said to Obadiah, go to the land, uh, go through the land to all, to all the springs and valleys. Maybe we can find some grass to keep the horses and mules alive so we don't have to kill any of our animals. So they divided the land they were to cover, and Ahab uh, going in one direction and Obadiah in the other. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him and bowed down to the ground and said, Is it really you, my lord Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go tell your master Elijah is here. And Okay, just look up for a sec. What would you expect? You know, hey, dude, let's have some fellowship. That's good. I'll get the word out. Dude, this is good. We're going to you know, make some progress here. And uh, rain's going to come, and, and the man of God is on the scene, you'd think. Because Obadiah is a devout believer, and he's hidden uh, prophets in caves. Look what he says. What have I done wrong? <laughs> that, you're handing me, uh, that you're handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. As surely, I love this, as surely as the Lord God lives, there's not a nation or kingdom where my master has not sent anyone to look for you. And wherever, uh, whenever a nation or kingdom claimed you were not there, um, he made them swear they couldn't find you. But now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here? I don't know. Look what he says. I like this. I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave you. If I go and tell Ahab he, he doesn't find you, uh, he'll kill me. And uh, just stop there. I mean, I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you. I, I think he probably had a lot of translations. I think he was a guy that the, the Lord just, you know, like uh, Philip in Acts chapter 8, where it says he, you know, uh, when he baptized the Ethiopian eunuch, then all of a sudden Philip is in Azotus, you know, and he's like, because he's got somebody else to preach to. It's a, it's a translation. I don't see, there's a lot of that in the Bible, but apparently he had a bunch of it. In fact, he, we know he did 
because later the sons of the prophets in chapter 2 of 2 Kings, uh, when Elijah did get translated to heaven uh, and in front of everybody, the sons of the prophets went to Elisha and said, you know, I think maybe that the Spirit of the Lord just picked him up and dumped him on some mountain somewhere. Let us go look for him. So in other words, where do they get that concept, which was pretty silly, but where they get that concept is he probably had some translations where the Holy Spirit just absolutely, supernaturally moved the guy from place to place without him having to walk. Not all the time, not every day, you know, not getting up going, I wonder where I'm just going to be, you know, beamed in today. But I think there were times when that happened. And so anyway, it's just kind of interesting. It doesn't really germane to this, although I guess it would take courage to be, you know, a recipient of this, you know, I mean, the brrr, kind of the beaming up, you know, that would be scary the first time anyway, and uh, not knowing where you're going to get dumped, I don't know, but anyway, bottom line is, is uh, Obadiah is afraid, and he goes, he's going to kill me if you don't, if you get beamed somewhere and I'm, you're not here, he's going to kill me, yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, and supplied them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah's here, he'll kill me. Full of confidence and power, Obadiah was. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I'll surely present myself to Ahab today. In other words, I'm not going anywhere. So Obadiah went to Ahab, told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah, and when he saw Elijah, he said to him, like Peter mentioned, is that you, troubler of Israel? <laughs> I haven't made trouble for Israel, Elijah replied, but you and your father's family have, and you've abandoned the Lord's commands and have, have followed the, the Baals. Now summon the people, and he calls the prophets of Baal and Asher together into a duel where uh, the God who answers by fire let him be God. Here's the thing, I, uh, several things I noticed about Ahab's uh, skittishness and fearfulness is he, and, and his lack of courage. He had a complete disconnect between spiritual and physical. Uh, and I bring this up because I think uh, postmodern thinking, well, I bring this up because uh, it's, in our world today, there's a lot of people who say, I'm spiritual, and even people in the church who say they're spiritual, maybe people outside the body of Christ that don't even confess Christ but call themselves spiritual, or people in the church who really genuinely have a relationship with Jesus but make the same disconnect between physical and spiritual. I'm spiritual, so it doesn't matter how I live. I'm spiritual, so I can be, you know, doing these things, disobedience to God. I'm spiritual. And making that, con that disconnect, you know, uh, it, that disconnect has always been made on one level or another, but in the New Testament, Colossians, 1 John, a couple of those books were written about that spiritual or that disconnect. Uh, it's called the Gnostic problem, and the Gnostics were taught that if you're, I mean, this is a crass generalization, okay, but the Gnostics taught, one of the things that they taught was there is a disconnect. It doesn't matter what you do in your body as long as you're spiritual, and I think Christians kind of fall into that trap sometimes. Well, make that excuse. I'm spiritual, so it doesn't matter if I treat people right or if I sleep with people that aren't my, uh, my spouse or if I cheat on my taxes or if, I, you know, if I'm a bad person. Well, he made that disconnect you know, and thought, well, I'm the king of Israel, so he can do it. And, and notice this guy, instead of looking for God, what's he looking for? Grass. He's, he's not looking for God. He's out. He and Obadiah are out looking for grass to, to, to eat and for their cattle to eat. And he's not so much con concerned about his people. 
he concerned about? What does he say he's concerned about? His horse mules. He said, we've got to find some grass for them to eat. He doesn't even mention his people. Here's a guy that lacks conviction and courage, and he's got this disconnect. And he does this classic blame-shifting thing with blaming uh, Elijah. And Elijah has the boldness to say, no, nah, it's not me, it's you. And uh, we just need more Elijahs. We need fewer Ahabs. But we're going to have Ahabs in our world, and we've got them in our 21st century America and in other countries around the world. We need more Elijahs to stand up against, stand up to them. Is the next one going to be, are you going to be an Elijah? Is that, is that the kind of disciple you are? Or are you more like Ahab? Or are you more like Obadiah? We'll talk about in a second. Let's talk about Obadiah. Um, what do you see in chapter 18, descriptive terminology about Obadiah? Faithful. He's faithful. It calls him a devoted believer. How long had he been worshiping the Lord? Yeah, since his youth, a lifetime. That must count for something. I've been a Christian, you know, like from when I was, since I was six. That's got to count for something, right? I mean, I went to Sunday school and, and prayed the prayer and, and been doing good stuff ever since, you know. I'm devoted. I'm a devoted believer, and I worship the Lord since my youth. And he took a risk. He did, he did take risks. We're talking about courage. What risk did he take? He hid the prophets. You know, I mean, he's the palace, he's the in charge of the palace, but he hid the prophets. He took a hundred of them and hid them in caves. Is that where prophets belong? They were all in caves, except for one. I don't know, maybe Elijah got the invitation to live in the caves. You know, we could have 51 in this one and 50 in this one. <laughs> or uh, 101 and one in the other, because they probably didn't get along with Elijah that well, because they were kind of cave-dwelling prophets cave-dwelling Christians. I, I'm, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be too, I don't want to hammer the guy too much, but I'm thinking that he's the kind of disciple that's safety first, secret agent, status quo. Safety first. Is that the kind of Christian you are? It's all about, I've just reread uh, Who Moved My Cheese. How many of you have read Who Moved My Cheese? Every Christian should read that once a year, at least read it once, but it, you should read it once a year. It's a little book taking an hour and a half, Who Moved My Cheese? It's all about change. And uh, one of the reasons we are not willing to change, and we get in ruts, and even when the cheese runs out, we're just going to stay and wait, and maybe it'll come, as opposed to get out, put on our running shoes that we haven't had for a long time, and run through the maze and find cheese again. That's what the story's about. Safety first, status quo, secret agent. Does it, do any of those describe you as a Christian? Status quo, just hanging out. Got it all dialed. Pretty saved now, you know. Uh, safety first. Don't rock the boat. Dude, that was, you know, that's for those guys and the preachers and that, but the enemy won't find me if I just hide out of my, my cave. I'm just thinking Obadiah uh, was a disciple like that, and the disciples that he made were like that, because you'll only make disciples like the one you are. Now, I know that everybody's got their own ministry, and I'm not sure that Obadiah didn't do anything good, 
But he kind of reminds me of the Christian that's holy, devoted, holy, but hollow. Surviving, but not influencing. When did you stop influencing? Did you stop influencing others? Are you pretty safe in your walk, you know, pretty, you know, surviving really well and, 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 and exerting all the energy that you have spiritually to survive and not even, it hasn't even dawned on you in a while to influence somebody else. I heard a story similar where the, the guy said, I don't know if we'll come back. He said, I don't know if we will either, but let's just go out there and do what we're supposed to do and let, let it take its course. He says, this could really get me into trouble. You, you, I, I, you know, that's his, he's concerned about him getting in trouble with Ahab. See, listen, Ahab was afraid of Jezebel, and Obadiah was afraid of Ahab. Elijah wasn't afraid of either one of them. Who was he afraid of? God. He, well, later he did fall into, because a demon whacked him, and so he was in that corner like I was three, four months ago. And Jesus, out of his mercy and grace, comes and says, how about if I fight around for you here? You're kind of, you're kind of scared of this, aren't you? Yes, I was, but I'm not anymore. You imagine if all the, the whole, all of the Christian, all Christians were like Obadiah, or all Christians were like Ahab, that would be awful. The storm of controversy is always preferable to the calm of sin and worldliness. You can have it calm. Just live in a cave. You know, compromise usually does take the pressure off. Because the fight of faith, fight, the fight of faith is not being fought. There's the calm of sin and worldliness. And I, I don't know that I deserve the name uh, Barney the Courageous. Do you deserve the name yourself of being the courageous? Are you the cautious? Are you the compromiser? Pray for the help of God to become a courageous disciple. Let's go.